In the town of Ravensburg, a certain young man was attached to a young woman. And when he wished to set her aside, he lost his male member, clearly through the art of conjuring. With the result, he could not see or feel his body as anything but smooth. Being worried, he then went to a certain cellar to buy some wine, and while he was sitting there for a while, another woman showed up and he revealed to her the reason for his sadness. Being clever, she asked whether he considered any woman suspect. When he specified her identity, mentioning her name and relating what had happened, the woman said, When benevolence does you no good, it would be best to prevail upon her with violence in order to regain your health. At dusk, the young man watched the path where the sorceress would regularly pass by. After finding her, he pleaded with her to return him the health of his body, but she claimed that she was innocent and knew nothing. He then attacked her, and tying a handkerchief tight around her throat, he pulled it tight, saying, Unless you restore my health to me, you will die in my hands. Then, because she could not shout, and her swollen face was now turning black, she said, Release me, and I will make you whole again. When the young man loosened the noose, the sorceress touched him, and with her hand between his thighs said, You now have what you want. And as he would later recount, before he assured himself with sight and touch, the young man noticeably felt that the member had been restored to him, just by the touch of the sorceress. He's talking and I'm not and I'm just... <sighs> And then I'm talking. <laughs> no, but wait, wait! I have something for him. Boom! You get shot down. Now you just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales podcast. Concentrate on the news. It's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong with black people. All right, guys. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History and Eerie Tales podcast. I am your host, Moses Sorry, and with me, as always, to my left is Josh. Hey. To his left, the Archie. Yeah, that's me. And to his left, a very special guest. Joining us today, Archie's wonderful girlfriend, Sonia. Thank you very much. One of us. One of us. So that intro you just heard is a tale of a man who was cursed by a witch, pulled directly from the Hammer of the Witches, a.k.a. the Malus Maleficarum, a how-to guide published in the late 1400s on how to deal with witches. We're going to dive into the Malice Maleficarum, as well as, you know, witches throughout history, weird facts about witches, uh, witches from across the globe, and about a religion closely associated with witches that is still running and thriving to this day. Dude, mm-hmm. my, my kids have been playing the Michael Myers theme song ever since September just barely ended. They just play the Halloween theme song every single day during class. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, no, hell no. I will never let them. <laughs> I was like during <laughs> class, no, dude. No, and you I'm let like, them just. Fuck. I'm like, all right, y'all help me clean up some stuff. I'll let you play it, and then they put themselves to work. And by kids, Archie means students because he is a teacher. He doesn't mean his literal kids. Oh, Sonia no. looked around. She looked scared. She's like, "Wait, what the fuck are you <laughs> talking about?" So one of the things I wanted to start off the episode is just a quick little list about famous witches, you know, throughout history. And one of the first ones I wanted to talk about was about one called Lavoisin. So, Catherine Monvoisin, also known as Lavoisin, you know, she lived in France in the mid-1600s. 
She practiced medicine, you know, she included, which included midwifery and abortions. She mixed potions and potions and she told fortunes and she arranged the, you know, black masses where, where clients would be able to contact the devil, you know, typical 1600 shit. She was also one of the heads of a cult who poisoned many members of the French aristocracy and who had planned to kill King Louis XIV. Her most famous client was a lady by the name of Madame de Montespan. She was the king's mistress. So the king's mistress, so the king's mistress wanted to kill the king. Why did the mistress want to kill the king? For infidelity. So she wanted to kill the king who was cheating on his wife on her because he was cheating on her with somebody else. Cheap. Damn. So it was by the Montespan's order that Lavoisin, she attempted to poison the king for, you know, for like I said, for his infidelity in the late 1670s. So in the late 1670s, the fear of poisoning and witchcraft, you know, it reached a fever fucking pitch in the streets of France. Many successful fortune tellers and poisoners, including Lavoisin, they were arrested. Hold on, you said poisoners? Yeah, there was people, that was, that was, that was what they that was did. They would sell poison. What? That's what they would do. They would just sell poison. So you could walk down the street, you could buy, po- you could buy potions, or you could buy poisons you could buy a bunch of different things you could buy you could go to a fortune teller most of them kind of combined the two gotcha. so you didn't have to do it like low-key you can just go yeah you just it. did it yeah you today's special we have poison <laughs> yeah so she was arrested and she was burned publicly after being convicted of witchcraft in 1680 so she was convicted in 1670 but she wasn't burned until 1680 another one i wanted to talk about was another one called mother shipton you know so when there are so many myths built around a certain person what does that say about that specific person? So for Ursula Sutho, better known as Mother Shipton, perhaps the added mystery, however fictitious, is a testament to her enduring reputation. Mother Shipton was a feared and highly regarded English prophetess of the 16th century. Born to a mother who was also suspected to be a witch, Mother Shipton was described as hideously ugly and disfigured. <laughs> so much so <coughs> that the locals called her Hagface. That was her nickname. What? Hagface. And it was believed her father was the devil. That's how ugly she was. She was so ugly. Like, dude, your dad has to be the devil. So oh. that's where, like, the image of witches came from, from her? Because she was so ugly? That, or? I don't, I mean, that could be. Or maybe they're just every ugly chick. She was just like, you know what? You're just a witch. <laughs> I, I haven't. So is that where the term you hag came from? No, I'm pretty sure the hag has been around for a long while. Sure. I mean, if, if she was the originator... <laughs> you know, so despite her unfortunate appearance, she was said to have been England's England's great England's greatest clairvoyant, and was often compared to her male contemporary Nostradamus. According what? to legend, she had predicted the Spanish Armada, the Great Plague of London, the Great Fire of London, the execution of Mary Queen of Scots, and some even speculate the internet. And she said, around the world, thoughts shall fly in the twinkling of an eye. I don't know how, I don't know how they got the internet from that, but whatever. That sounds like Dr. Seuss, bro. So thankfully for her sake, Mother Shipton, she did not die by the sword like so many accused witches before and after her. Instead, she died a normal death and is said to have been buried on, an un- on unholy ground on the outer edges of York around 1561. He said, "On un- unholy." On un- unholy. 
Oh, on unholy. On unholy. Okay, they said un- unholy. I'm like, what? On unholy. It's a double negative. So the third one I want to talk about, she went by the name of Merga Bien. So Merga Bien, she stirred the pot, both literally. The pot? Pot. Both literally oh. and figuratively. She's like, not, pot. Not pot. She's 420. <laughs> <420. laughs> so she was a well-to-do German heiress in the 17th century. Merga was on her third husband when her fate was practically sealed. Despite it being a relatively peaceful period in history, poor Merger happened to live in Fulda, Germany, a place far removed from stability. Having returned to power after a long exile, staunch Catholic reformer prince Abbot Balthasar von Dernbach ordered a massive witch hunt in the area between 1602 and 1605 to purge all liberal ungodly activities. Of the 200 people who were accused of and executed for being witch in Fulda in those three years, Merga was considered to be the most famous. The circumstances that led to her death were ill-timed. She had just returned to the city after arguing with one of her husband's employers. She found herself pregnant. What made the latter odd was that she had still been married to her third husband for 14 years and they had never before conceived. Mm-hmm. So naturally, the townspeople believed the only way she could have gotten pregnant was through her having sex with the devil. Along with that supernatural act, Merga was forced to admit to having killed her second husband and children, one of the children of her current husband's employers, and that she had attended a Black Sabbath. She was obviously burned at the stake in the fall of 1603. So number four, Madeline Matt's daughter. What goes around comes around. So Madeline Mutt's daughter was a Swedish widow of Finnish, of Finnish descent who was accused by her own daughters of being a witch. But in this case, there was no sorcery involved. Instead, the daughter's charge was that she abducted the children and took them to a satanic Sabbath. Madeline, along with Anna Hack, were the last victims executed for being witches during the great Swedish witch hunt of 1668-1676, often referred to as the Great Noise. What makes Madeline Mutt's daughters unique is that she's considered the only witch in Swedish history to have been burned alive. So normally, witches were decapitated or hanged to death before their bodies were burned at the stake. But it appears Madeline's refusal to admit to her guilt made the authorities less gracious in their sentences. In their sentencing. So unlike her fellow deathmate Anna, who humbly asked for forgiveness, although never really admitted to being a witch, Madeline firmly maintained her innocence and her hands <clears throat> and her goings out with, and her goings out made history. In the end, she refused to shake hands with her daughters, and as one of them called out for her to repent, Madeline gave her daughter into the hands of the devil and cursed her for eternity. As the flames covered her body, she reportedly did not scream nor did she appear to be in pain. For the locals, that was enough proof just that she was a witch. She's a witch. Nonetheless, shortly after her death, one of her daughters that accused her was convicted of perjury, and she, too, was burned at the stake. That's what she gets, dude. What? The daughters? Well, Pay attention, yeah. stupid. Imagine, though, like, your, your own kid is like, she's a witch. Fuck you. And last but not least, I cannot have a list about witches without mentioning the Salem witches. So, of all the witch trials in history, the Salem Witch Trials of 1692 in Massachusetts are arguably the most famous. They occurred during a time of great insecurity in Britain, colonial America. The trauma of a British-French war on American soil still lingered. 
There was fear of Native American retribution. Smallpox had spread throughout the colonies, and long-time jealousies between neighboring towns were coming to a head. So in January 1692, two young girls began suffering, began suffering from fits, uncontrollable screaming, and body contortions. A local diagnosed the girls' conditions as the work of witches. Although toxicologists in recent history have offered a more palatable explanation, believing the girls were poisoned or more, or basically they got high off a specific type of fungus that was found in the mold of the food supply. So symptoms of ingesting the fungus explained the girls' responses, muscle spasms and delusions. More young women began mirroring the system symptoms and by February, three women were accused of bewitching the two young girls a Caribbean slave named Tituba, a homeless beggar named Sarah Good, and an impoverished elderly woman named Sarah Osborne. Seeing that her fate was sealed, Tituba confessed to being a witch and began accusing others of dark magic. Other women followed her lead and hysteria ensued. On June 10th, the first alleged witch, Bridget Bishop, was hung at the gallows in Salem and many more died thereafter. In total, over 150 men and women were implicated during this period. By the late 1690s, though, the tribes were deemed unlawful, and a decade later, financial restitution was given to those families whose loved ones had been executed or damaged by the hysteria. Still, the pain and resentment of what happened in Salem lived and lives on for centuries to come. So, all I just had to do with what the fucking... The bread. That, that's, that's, that's what's going... That's of more recent right now explaining all the hysteria that was going on around Salem they were uh -huh. saying there was practically no witch it was just like dude you guys had moldy bread you had some psychedelic fungus growing in the mold of your food you guys were eating it you guys were all high as shit you guys were high you guys started panicking getting panic attacks started accusing each other so it was 1960s Woodstock right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, instead of 1960 it was 1690 <gasps> <gasps> Coincidence? Dun, dun, I think damn. Not. Yeah. So we just heard. Uh, uh, was it top five most famous? Not top five. Not most famous. Just famous. Just witches throughout history. General. So, Generaliza generalization. Of witches. Now I would uh, present to you some fun facts about witches. Starting with fun fact number one. Did you know most witches weren't burned at the stake? Most were hanged. But listening to all your fucking uh, witches, they were burned. Coincidence? Coincidence? Maybe not. Dun, dun, dun. It's a witches. Fun fact number two. Did you know witch, uh, witch hunts didn't specifically target women? Men also practice witchcraft. Some were known as wizards and warlocks <laughs> and sorcerers. <laughs> Fun fact number three. Did you know people can be convicted of witchcraft without any sort of evidence? Oh, you like to dip your fries in shakes? Witch! Fun fact number four. Did you know? Damn. Fun fact number four. Did you know Pope once confirmed witches actually exist? And this Pope was known as Pope the Eighth. And Pope Innocent was his actual name? Pope, Pope. So his name was Innocent. Yeah, his name was Innocent. And he said witches. I, see, I yeah. see what he did there. So Smart they actually, man. Yeah. Smart man. It's like, it ain't me. I'm innocent. <laughs> uh, fun fact number five. Did you know witches really did, quote unquote, fly on broomsticks? Oh, kind of. So, long story short, uh, witchcraft will be experimenting. Um, witchcraft experiment a lot with herbs in their rituals um, and plants. And one of these plants were known as a mandrake plant. Now, this plant contained two alkaloids that causes, if used in low dosage, euphoria, 
and it's used for high dosage hallucinations. Now, the rituals will be performed, wait for it, nude, completely nude. So they would rub an ointment containing the mandrake plant on the wrist, head, and feet. Now, here's where it gets weird. They would also have to rub. Enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they will have to rub the ointment on the quote-unquote staff that they will fly or ride with. The contact between the witch's private part and coated staff will create the sensation of floating, creating the iconic symbol of a witch flying on a broom. So they're getting high AF. Yeah, technically. Nude. Yeah. I see it. Fun fact number six. Did you know most people who were against winches also were against Jews, Muslims, so essentially any group that the Christians didn't like. Wow. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> so the Salem Witch Trials, were the people who accused people, were they Christians? Yeah. They're, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> Last but not least, fun fact number seven. Did you know that most witches didn't believe or worship Satan? Now, this is why. Most witches fall under a type of religion of pagan. Uh, their belief system is completely different from Christianity. Christi- Christianity. Oh, my. I can't even pronounce Christian- that. Christianity. Christianity. Christianity? I got nervous. You better edit that shit out, bro. Okay. This means that, well, the concept of Satan only related to Christianity. So, pagan religion didn't believe in any sort of devil and that's about it I had more right. <laughs> that was like a pity, pity clown, clown. <laughs> I'll take it I'll take it. Fuck it you have an audience of one bro good job I thought, wait isn't the pity clap the the slow clap the so, no no or is that like the no that up? was like that's the more up. like the sarcastic yeah oh yeah it's a fun list, bro. I dig it. You know what's better to top off your list? Which one? Another list. <gasps> list on list on list. Bro. So, my list actually covers witches around the world. Well, not so far around the world, but here's what I got. So, apparently, witches that are from South Africa, witch doctors, are called Inyanga and Isangoma. So the witch doctor may be one of the most ubiquitous depictions of a witch, placing behind wicked witches and those in Harry Potter, but the fantastical moniker should not diminish the very real influence these figures have in South African culture. Native to the Zulu people, witch doctors are seen as healers who are divided into two different categories, which are the Nyanga and the Isangoma. While Nyanga are not dissimilar to the modern-day herbalists and practitioners of natural medicine. In Sangoma, are called to the profession by divine powers and perform tasks like predicting the future and using their psychic abilities to protect against evil spirits. In Sangoma, verge on being religious leaders in their communities, using trace and musical rituals to communicate with their ancestors. Both Inyanga and Isangoma are viewed with respect in the culture and must undergo years of training. They are often cons- consulted for a variety of problems from health to spiritual. 
there's a common kind of theme with these type of witches that they talk about spiritual healing and this is one of, to be honest one of the, the the more i guess quote unquote good ones because the other ones they get pretty evil the next one that came out on the list are the witches from chile called calcu near to the chile's indigenous machup mapuche people the calcu is an evil sorceress who exists in the opposition of the Mapuche spiritual leaders and medicine women, the Machi. While the Machi are the cultural major healers, the Kalku work with evil spirits to wreak havoc. The semi-mystical figures use black magic and are even believed to have evil sidekicks such as Anchimayan, creatures that uh, reanimate the corpses of deceased children, and the Choncon, a bird with the head of a Kalku. While both Kalku and Machi are traditionally women, the Kalku are seen as more mystical, fantastical creatures, while the Machi perform religious duties. And again, another kind of quote-unquote evil version of the witches. In the Philippines, they're known as the Mangkukulam. In the islands of the Philippines, the belief in this magic is very much alive. Kulam is a form of Filipino witchcraft which practitioners called Mankukulam. These sorcerers are believed to perform black magic. Using practices similar to voodoo, the Mankukulam casts spells and incantation that intends to bring harm to others. However, the Mankukulam, which are, can be either men or women, aren't only self-serving. They oftentimes sell love potions and services to help patrons exact revenge on those who have wronged them okay now moving on west indies the west indie version of the witch are called the ubea as a folk magic religion hybrid ubea flourished in the west indies during the slave trade largely as a force of resistance the dark magic uses spells to make predictions gain knowledge or obtain assistance for any task while ubea is in a religion in the sense that they are any sort of established church or ceremonies, female and male practitioners are seen as spiritual guides that can help with any number of problems. The magic believed to have originated to West Africa and is found across the Caribbean in multiple forms. For example, in Haiti, the practice is known most specifically as voodoo. Like most forms of witchcraft, this form of magic is believed to have some sinister potential, yet it is also used for personal benefit through purchase charms. That it, it's a lot of, I guess, re- relation to, I guess, the general term would be voodoo. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and then they all just have different names depending on the region, depending on how they arose from. Now, the last one, and this is the one that I'm, I'm most know about, but I mean, I freaking got it. I heard it from Primer Impacto. So, <laughs> you know how they like to exaggerate this stuff. So, Mexico, La Santa Muerte. Though she may be considered as a saint rather than a witch, Mexico Santa Muerte, or Saint of Death, is deeply connected to witchcraft. Portrayed as a woman wearing a skull mask, donning a long cloak similar to a female Grim Reaper, Santa Muerte is honored through statues that are believed to hold magical powers. The black sculptures of the saint are used in cursing rituals, while white sculptures are used for cleansing rituals. Some believers even consider Santa Muerte to be an intermediary between God and earth and others see your statue as an omen or threat of death I mean going back to the 
the Primera Impacto version. Um, they're connecting it a lot with, I guess, drug lords and how they use that as a way to like contact the Santa Muerte to bring them more, I guess, wealth and power and whatnot to. What, for real? Yeah. The cartels? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, according to Primer Impacto. So, yeah, it was weird. It's, but again, a lot of it has to do with the relation to voodoo, <coughs> the voodoo culture. It's just different variations of, upon in Chile and in South Africa. That's crazy. I didn't know about most of them that you just talked about. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only one I, I was familiar with is just the one in Mexico. And that was just from that depiction. And that's actually from the game uh, Ghost Recon? What? Wasteland? Oh, that's Remember right. The Santa Muerte, the religion. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. True, 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 true. Yeah. Santa Muerte. And then speaking about, I mean, other modern witchcraft stuff. That's why I brought the my my expert over here to help me out, because again, there's these I didn't know about, and I also didn't know about the one that my girl was going to mention right now. So the first one you actually mentioned, I'm sorry, but you mispronounced it. It's actually pronounced Nganga. I mean, that's why oh. I brought you. The professional. <laughs> 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 um, and it does portray to the religion I'm going to be talking about, which is Palo Mayombe. And um, it came. Shit on my information. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So, it comes from um, the Congos or Congos of Africa, and also believe Cuba. Um, Thank you. So the way it was brought over to the Americas was actually through the slaves, Mm -hmm. and because at that time you were not allowed to worship any other religion other than the religion of the house that um you worked for or that you were a slave to mm-hmm. so what they did was most of the families were catholic or christian um catholics because of the saints right yeah christians don't well, f- from what I know, they don't believe in saints, or do they? The, st- the statues, right? The statues, yes. I mean, at least yeah. that's, that's what I've been told. That's what Mama tells me. Well, I had a friend in <laughs> I had a friend in middle school who said that she was Christian and that they don't believe in the saints, said that they're stupid. And I was like, okay. Yeah, they don't believe in any. Oh, the, the statues. Uh, uh, that they don't believe in the Virgin Mary. Or yeah. The images, like none of that. Oh, okay. So, like, so we believe in something. Th- yeah. So what they did was in order to trick their slave owners um, because of the statues that they had already in the home what the slaves would do is um they would hide their spirits or ones that they would worship behind them so like for example there's a spirit um called lucero and in their religion it was um santo niño de atoche Mm -hmm. so what they would do is they would hide in behind their saint version of the saints so whenever they would all pray they would think that they're praying to their they're saints but in reality they were praying praying to to their own Uh which I thought was like super cool and for every spirit that they had of course they had their own version of it I guess so they were always able to pray to other spirits or it made it seem like they prayed to yes something it's baby Jesus (laughs) 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 and um it's baby Jesus so in the religion, the men are called paleros, 
and the women are called paleras or brujas and brujos but the technical term is paleras and paleros and of course in spanish palo means stick but in their religion um it is a stick but that's where they get most of their power because the stick is sturdy and stands strong so for them the sticks are very symbolic and because they're very um like earthy so they use herbs and things of the earth as well a lot of people tend to say that this religion is the dark side of santeria but in every witch religion of course there's light and darkness and most people that have had any contact with this usually the reason is being is because they have like maldiciones or oh like they're trying to do brujeria to me so are they getting cursed yes okay so what they'll do is they'll go to the um to botanicas i'm pretty sure you've seen them around yeah. i mean to each their own you can do evil or you can help people most of my research that i found online was just mostly like to help for health and of course the most famous you know the love spells making people fall in love with you mm-hmm. that don't really want to be with you so they're kind of like a force. forced a f- yeah forced and then I came across a couple too that were like, if you need help to win this case at the courts and stuff. No. Yeah, no. So they do all kinds of stuff, which is really, really cool. Not guilty. Who needs so, a lawyer, dude? <laughs> get yourself a bomb ass brujo and you got I'm going to get myself a witch doctor. Fuck a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so. Comes in. Where's your lawyer? Shh. So, do you believe in This voodoo? is my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, no. You mean black magic? Shout out if you guys get the reference. So they also derive most of their, um, I guess for the sake of keeping it simple, powers is from their ancestors. So this is a religion that you can't, or in a way, it's not like you knock at their door and they're like, I want to be this. Like usually people that have it within them are drawn to it. And that's how they can ask if they can or cannot be initiated into the religion. Also, basically, you can't choose to be in religion. So technically, in their t- in their case, the religion chooses you. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. Nice. Mm-hmm. And what that's called is you have a don, which is like a spirit inside. So it's like longing, which is why they say that it they it calls to you. You don't go to it. Yeah. And that's because you have a don inside. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Common practices of the religion, like I said, it's just to help with health, um, cases of health, to get limpias, card readings, like the basic stuff that you hear. Um, I guess you see on... Like sidekicks yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. As far as like good or bad, like I said, every religion that you go to, even just like the Catholics, there's good and bad people. So it's known or people like to pick it. Is that the word? Did yeah, nitpick, the, nitpick. Yeah, as oh, it's the bad because um, in this religion you do your works and your stuff at night. So once the sun sets, they wake up. They're you go those to work. kinds. Yeah, you go to work, and you stay up all night. And um, because the, the of that, hour? is that where? Yeah. So that's hour. where the witching hour really yeah. does apply. So, and another reason is because this religion you actually work with spirits or you bother the dead which is why 
a lot of people think that it's just pure evil, but um, that are evil. <laughs> but um, like for example, like Santeria, a lot of people don't know. Like they think, oh, because they work during the day and they do this and they work with the saints that they're they do nothing bad. But there's a lot of Santeros that are actually known to be like the worst kind that you can possibly. But Santeria is that the same as the Santa Muerte or is that a different, different thing? Yeah, it's a completely different, different. religion. I used to work. <clears throat> in my previous warehouse job, I used to work with a coworker, obviously. And his neighbors, his neighbors to the left of him, they were into Santaria, uh-huh. and the neighbors in front of them were into Santaria as well. But there were I, I don't know what the diff, what the thing was, but they were from like different factions of Santaria, so they did not get along with each other, so they'd always like fight. And he said like it would be like two or three in the morning when they'll start arguing. Like they'll go out at night during the day it would be quiet at night is when they would go out and start fixing the cars just start doing everything everything was at night uh-huh. mm-hmm. and they would live on a cul-de-sac so it was kind of convenient for them because cul-de-sac is on a one-way street uh-huh. so they live on the corner where it ends so there's no way to go through so they lived on that end uh-huh. and he said that two two family members not only were the two Santeria fact like I'm, I'm saying factions just for the lack of a better term but they were from different versions of a Santaria. Not only that, they were from different. There were each house had someone in like a mafia or cartel that didn't get along oh, with one no. another. So there was like they didn't get along with each other because of the religion, and they and didn't because, get plus oh, the gangs. Curse on both the houses. And um, because of that, he says when he was younger. Now he's a huge gun like aficionado. He buys guns like almost every check he buys, whether it's a shotgun or. A cold or a Beretta or whatever. Uh-huh. He shown he's shown me pictures where he walks into his house. You'd think his house was like a drug lord house. He has eight Ks. I mean, they're all legal and everything. He just has them laying down. When you walk in, there's one in the couch. There's some laying up against the wall in the what? kitchen. His whole family's into guns. Like their brothers, moms, they're all into guns, right? And the reason they were got, they got into guns because one day late at night, one of the, uh, they were having some sort of like Santeria party or something at night, uh-huh. and, and one of the guys ended up getting drunk and tried to break into their house. <gasps> but when he tried to break into the house, he, no, well, he tried to break into one of the <laughs> houses, shot. and they thought it was one of the cartel guys, and they didn't have any like weapons or whatever. So when he tried to break into the window, they were scared, and then they, they ended up finding out that it was just like some drunk dude, uh-huh. and because of that, they're like, "No, fuck that! These guys are involved in some sort of cartel." I mean, even though it's a stupid idea, if you, someone if a cartel is gonna try to fuck with you, why are you gonna like try to fuck with him, or else they're all gonna fuck with you? But whatever, they ended up getting guns. Protection, was little, yeah. So. To this day, he had like he like he sometimes tells me like to, like they have a shitload of like he says to have like hundreds and he t- he tells me hundreds because it's a huge yard, uh-huh. hundreds of chickens. He says it's like stupid like at like chickens, uh, yeah, chickens and roosters, hundreds of them. He says it's stupid. their neighbors, yeah, both Santeria neighbors. Like the one across the street from him has the chicken in the backyard, uh-huh. and the ones to his left, the ones to his like neighbors' neighbors, uh-huh. they have them in the front yard because their house is facing their house so they don't have a backyard they just have a huge side yard so, uh, the, so it's a side and front okay, yard okay okay uh-huh. well so don't they use them for limpias i have so they probably they probably yeah they probably own. kill them and use that like their blood or whatever to like are they caged or they just roaming around free no they're all caged he says oh, okay it, he says it's literally oh. a huge house like of of just like a closed house full of hands and roosters and chickens uh-huh. like next to their, to their house or whatever uh-huh so that that's the only that's my like santeria thing that i know of just from him just he told me yeah dude they're like super into santeria so they like, got fresh the eggs like forever the moms get along his mom like my my ex-coworker's uh-huh. mom and the lady 
the one who lives next to him, they get along. So she gives them like they get a shitload of eggs, like nice. fresh eggs. But like they like they he says they can't try to keep the the chickens not to breed though, which is weird. So so they always get a shitload of eggs. The, the the purpose of the chickens is not for eggs. So I'm pretty sure it's just for like some sort of like blood, whatever. They Limpia. Do. Yeah, some thing they do with the blood. Mm-hmm. Sorry for interrupting. Oh no. And um, so in this religion, they do believe in God. They just their name for their God is Nasambi. So what was the name that I, I horribly mispronounced again? Which one out of the thousands? <laughs> <laughs> so from, it was from the one. Inganga. 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 Now I know how my non-Spanish speaker friends feel When I say anything And they try to pronounce it in Spanish Tortillas Like this might have been A religion that Or is that came from Parts of Africa But Into the religion incorporated Is actually Spanish as well Oh really Which is why a lot of words Like you will understand Or if like if you look up their music A lot of the stuff you understand it Because it's also in Spanish all right, guys. So you heard Achi talking about the different types of witches from around the world. You heard Sonia talking about certain certain religions. You heard my brothers from Facts, and you heard me talking about earlier in the episode about witches throughout history. And one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this episode was because of a certain book, and that book is the Malus Maleficarum. For those of you that do not know, the Malus Maleficarum, aka the Hammer of the Witch is a book that was printed in the 1600s as a deterrent or as a guide of how to get uh, how to kill witches so the book was split into three sections the first section i'm gonna get into well i'm gonna get into the sections in a little bit so that book that you have was written in the 16 yep and the book the book that i have the hammer of witches a complete translation of the malice maleficarum was written by christopher at, at christopher s mckay and that, and I'm explain to, and I'm explaining a little more about Christopher in a, in a little bit. So right now, I want to read the introduction that Christopher wrote about the about the Hammer of the Witch. Uh-huh. So, the Malice Maleficarum is undoubtedly the best known, many would say, the most notorious treatise on witchcraft from the early modern period. It was published in 1486. Okay, so I was 114 years off. So it's the 1400s, not the 1600s. Only a few years after the introduction of the printing press in Western Europe, the work served to popularize the new conception of magic and witchcraft that is known in modern scholarship as Satanism or Diabolism, and it thereby played a major role in the savage efforts undertaking to stamp out witchcraft in Western Europe in the 16th and 17th centuries. So, the Madis Maleficarum is the only full and reliable translation of the Malice into English. There is another modern English translation, but it's only partial, and uh, it only summarizes like portions of the text. And the only reason it did that is for it was just to stay within some weird length prescribed by the publisher. So the publisher's like, "All right, you can translate it, but you can only have it do have your translation be this long." Were they the homies from Sparknotes? <laughs> <laughs> and not only was it shortened, it was based on a later translation of the Madis Maleficarum. So, in this introduction, it has a very specific purpose. It is to set out for the reader the general, intellectual, and cultural background of the malice, which takes for granted and is based upon a number of concepts that are by 
no means self-evident to the average modern reader and to explain something of the work's composition. So basically, this book might read out of context on some of the things. Like for example, when people think of alchemy, alchemy has a strict tie to Satanism or science depending on the, on the context alchemy is being used and may reference one or the other. So this book might seem out of context, like when, when they talk about witches, when they talk about something, you might think of a different variation of it. So this book kind of tells you in the introduction of what, to, of what it means when they say certain words. Like for example, so before we begin, the context of the terminology you know, is going to be switched up a bit for the better understanding of the text. Like for example, from here on out, male and female practitioners of magic, they're going to be called sorcerers and sorceresses. And they practice sorcery because throughout the ter because throughout the text, the term witchcraft would be used, but that word comes with a lot of extra baggage, like we all mentioned earlier, blood sacrifices. So the long, so the the as the, as time went on, the term witchcraft picked up some weird baggage along the way, depending on who used it. So in this sense. They're gonna so in this sense when I when they talk about sorcery and they talk about sorceress and they talk about sorceresses, they're not talking about blood sacrifices. They're not talking about satanic witches. They're not talking about um, Santeria witches. They're talking about a specific type of witch. Like magicians. So sorceresses <laughs> and sorcery, they will be used instead of witch and griff witch and witchcraft to avoid confusion and to emphasize the point that we are dealing with the notions about magic and their practitioners during the late medieval and early modern periods. So with that being said, I want to talk about the authors. So according to the Malice, there were two authors, Jacob Sprenger and an unnamed collaborator. In the public declaration that constitutes the appropriation of the work, Henricus Incitoris indicates that he and his colleague as Inquisitor, Jacob Sprenger, wrote the Malice. So both men, they were Dominican friars of the Order of Preachers. The order was founded in the, early, in the early 13th century to combat, you know, heresy. Though Dominicans took the same sort of vows of poverty as monks, these friars did not withdraw from the secular world by joining the mon monastery, but lived in society as part of their mission to root out heresy and enforce orthodoxy among the people. So they're basically like monks, except they didn't retreat into a palace or into a temple. They lived within the people just because their job was to take out all the fakeness, all the evil shit in the world. So the order, it became involved in theological studies in order to sharpen the skills in spotting and rebutting her her heretical views. So theological means the study of Christianity or the study of um, Catholicism. So Jacobus, one of the authors, which is just the Latinized form of Jacob, he was born in about 1437 and presumably came from the area of Basel as he is first attested to joining the Dominican Covenant in that city in 1452. Springer, he eventually became a professor of theology, serving as an administrator. Springer, he actively promoted the reform movement within the order, which advocated to a return to a simpler way of life among the residents of Dominican convents, and he was assigned the task of imposing reform in a number of of these convents, even in the face of opposition from the residents. Sprenger, he would have been most famous in his lifetime for playing a huge and prominent role in the spread and practice the rosary. So this guy who wrote The Hammer of the Witches, he 
was a huge factor in the rosary becoming the lec- become becoming a huge lexicon in the in the world of Christianity. For those of you that do not know about the rosary or how to recite the rosary, there's basically five steps. So what? on the crucif for the rose to to recite the rosary, there's it's five steps. I didn't know this. I haven't been in church since I was like I haven't done Catholicism or any of that since I was like fifteen, sixteen. There's five steps for the rosary, how to recite the rosary. So the first step, on the crucifix, you make the sign of the cross, and then you pray the Apostles' Creed. Second step, on the large next bead, you say the Our Father. The third step, on the following three small beads, you pray three Hail Marys. And on the fourth, on the chain, you pray the Glory Be. And the fifth, and lastly, on the large bead, you meditate on the first mystery, and you pray to our father. He died 1495. So he would have been known for having brought the rosary into the lexicon of the world. But instead, he's going to go down as the guy who wrote you know, the Hammer of the Witches. The other author of the book, his name is Henricus Institoris, which is the Latinized form. The Latinized form of the German name Heinrich Kramer. And he was, around, he was born around 1490 in the Alsatian town of modern-day Celestat. He joined the local Dominican convent, but went on to be attached to a number of other convents of the sermon in the southern German-speaking islands. Like Sprenger, he also became a professor of theology, but instead, he was more interested in missions along the lady. So, the lady, if you're a member of a religious group, you're not an ordained minister or priest. Then you are a member of the lady. Sometimes those members of the lady will play a role in the church service. Like, for example, they're doing one of the readings or you know, running a youth group, and that's what he was really involved in. And he tended to work on his own, but he spent his last years combating the Husset heresy, which is a pre-Protestant Christian movement, so that even the Christians were fighting against themselves when he was around in Bohemia, where he died in 1505. So, in Sartorius, he enjoyed the support of Pope Sixtus IV, and he was appointed by him as inquisitor into into heretical depravity in a number of German dioceses, unlike Spranger, and Sartorius enjoyed the task of acting as an interim inquisitor in the malice he claims to have had over 48 women condemned for the crime of the sorcery. But he got, so Sartorius, he got a little big-headed when it came to being an inquisitor. Basically, for those of you that do not know what an inquisitor is, he's basically the regulations, the guy who's in charge of regulations. Like, for example, if you work in a warehouse, there's something called OSHA, which is the people that says, you cannot have your you cannot have um, your 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 ladders. To, you, you have to have sprinklers at least this far apart. You cannot have anything on this wall. You need to have at least two fire exits. He was that guy for the religion. So basically, he would go inside the church and be like, "Okay, you cannot pray to that god. You cannot do this when you're praying. You can, you're not allowed to do this." And he got a little hot headed. He got a little, and it got to his head. Osha actually went to my classroom too. What? They went to my classroom. Oh, Osha. Yeah. And inquis- did they burn any witches? Nah, he was, just comp- he was just surprised that there was an emergency exit in on your a room? freaking window that's like, let me see, what was Isn't that the one feet? where that they, you have to climb over a piano a to pia- get to the, <laughs> yeah, you have to like climb he, he over. He went and he was like, he didn't, even, he didn't even bother with anything. I was just like, what's that? Oh. And there's an emergency exit stamped onto one of, one of my pianos pointing up. To a freaking window that has an emergency exit that's freaking twenty feet high, and it what? says emergency exit over there. 
So you're supposed to jump on top of my piano so that we could get up there and hopefully. And he was like, on. nah. <laughs> He's just like, what? How did, who put this? I'm like, hey, it came like this when I got here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, so that was what he was in charge of. He got too demanding. He got too into it to the point where even peop, even priests and popes of the Dominican friars were like, all right, dude, we know we're supposed to be taking these people out, but you got to chill. Not everyone, just because they blink at night doesn't mean they're fucking witches, dude. You need to relax. He was strict, and he was in charge. And was it just him or the other people like him? No, he was an inquisitor. So remember, he was one of the people that was picked by the Pope to be like, you know what? You are a stern motherfucker, and I believe that you will strain everybody out. You're a pretentious fuck. Yeah. So go. So go on and spread the word, and don't let these motherfuck. Don't let these people stray from the path of God. Gotcha. So was he, he the only one, or there was plenty of them. But oh, but he was the he was, he was he, the the one. <laughs> he was the dick. Not yeah. The, <laughs> I mean, there was there was a lot of inquisitors. Even some became famous witch hunters. Which that term is in itself is fucking amazing. A witch hunter. That was his job. He was supposed to go out and kill witches. Vin Diesel. Basically, <laughs> kind of, but not really. Yeah, <laughs> but not really. Kind of, uh, yeah, not really. Yeah, but this guy, he he would go into towns and be like, he would walk into town and like two, three days, he'd be like, all right, we have sixty-two witches here. We need to we need to take him out. And even the some of the priests and popes in those cities were like, dude, relax. Sixty-two, like, dude, chill. Like, dude, he claims at one point to be like, he goes into a town in the, Burn the whole village. Dude, <laughs> ba- dude, Burn them at the stake now. Dude, basically, he's in this town. He's like, he, he so he, he walks, walks in. Just like, ba- <laughs> so he basically walks into towns, and they're not even like, hey, go to this town over here because we're hearing something about something's acting up he just goes to the towns and just watches and just be like all right i'm gonna just this place looks weird i'm gonna stay here for a few months random check-ins and he just randomly stays and it's been like three four months and he's and, and like he's making cases and the priest and the and the, the people in charge are like dude you have six how, how are you gonna charge 68 people in like three months you haven't even met any of these people to the point where even the priests themselves had to write to the pope and be like all right dude this guy's acting up if he keeps doing this, we're not going to have a town. <laughs> he's trying to kill everybody. <laughs> hey, yo, Pope, write him up real quick. Dude. Hey, he's trying to make his citations. So he's this, trying to meet the quota, man. Meet the <laughs> quota. He, he, he is the quota. <laughs> hey, bro, we created a quota because of you, bro. Yeah, and in the book, since he wrote the book, he claims to have over 200 cases on his on his resume, on this specific town. And even though he wrote it, there's not really a lot of proof. In terms of like, all right, here are the names. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, I went to this town and there's 200 people. And because I wrote this book, it's it's true. So people are like, mm. but there are letters saying that he did pass the line sometimes. And even some of these priests or some of these cardinals who were in charge of these towns, they'll write to the Pope and be like, hey, dude, like, you, uh, you, uh, you got to get him out of here. This is your boy right here, bro? <laughs> Look, but he was so powerful. They did it nicely. So he wouldn't punish them. Because oh, he could be in a town and be like, how come you don't want me here? Are you trying to hide something? Witch. You witch, oh, bro. And, so, and eventually he was, he had a case. He was in this case for like three, four months. And the priest was like, he wrote letters. And the Pope was like, all right, dude, come back. We'll just leave it to them. Because you're going overboard. Like, they brought you in here because they wanted witches. You're there. And they're like, dude, there's not... We didn't... You, you try, everybody's a witch compared to you. So just, like, leave. And he left. And in the book, he writes that he knows that they wrote a letter about him to leave. But he held no ill will toward him. He's like, all right, maybe I did go a little overboard. So he admits it. 
He doesn't admit it. He admits that they think he went a little <laughs> overboard. I think because remember that. that's his job. His job is to go to towns and be like, "You're a witch. You're a witch. You're a witch. You can't pray it over here. Why are you praying like that? You're supposed to pray four times, not three times. Why isn't it four times? Are you not following the word of God? Why not? Are you a witch? You're gonna get hung. Well, weren't people, people more literate back then? So what if they just they were taught wrong? Well, I mean, either that that's what he was there for to teach them, and if they and and even if they were taught wrong, it's the fault of the priest. Or it's the fault of the church. Or it's the fault of, you know, whoever's in charge there. So okay. he's just walking around just be like, witch, 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 oh. witch, I wish witch. I was there with a fucking lighter just like, I create fire, motherfucker. You know, so and that, what year was this again? This was in the 1400s. 1400s. In the, 14, uh, the 1500s, because he died in the in the early 1500s. Like, he died in mid-1500s. So it was like in the late 14, early 15. This is when there was a huge witch craze. And the witches back then, it wasn't like we mentioned earlier, blood sacrifices. It was just a certain type of witch. Basically, witches back then, or sorcerers and sorceries, they mentally were there to to um, pull you away from the light of God, to tempt you, to keep you away from God Himself. Mm. And in the book, um, which I'm ex- in the book, there's different categories that there's there's chapters, there's chapters and chapters of things witches do how to cure it, and then what to do once you catch a witch. But I'm going to get into that a little later. So right now, you know about the book, who wrote the book, and, and you know a little bit, like I said, you mentioned a little bit of the authors. And now we're going to find out what the purpose of the book was. So for the Malice, there was no single audience for whom the Malice was intended for. So basically when he wrote the book, it wasn't for like, okay, I'm going to write this book for the people or I'm gonna write this book for the witch hunters or something for like the that. witch hunters he oh. wrote the book and people believe that he wrote the book for the other friars in his religion so they could go out and know what how to spot a witch and know how to take care of it how to cure it and then how to take care of the witch so they can do the same shit he was doing so they could do the same shit he I, was doing I heard they're giving me my two weeks notice so here's a book <laughs> <laughs> so the book is split into three parts so i'm gonna talk about part one so according to the text in part one part one is to demonstrate against the skepticism of clergy man and the reality of sorcery so part one he talks about look you might not believe in witches but they are real. You might not believe believe that witches are here to taunt us or to tempt us, but they are here, and they are here just to guide us away from the light of God. That's basically part one. The part one is basically saying, or basically the whole book is saying, women are evil. See, this book is thanks. Yeah. So, but at no point, no one ever thought like, oh, my neighbor's a witch. Like, you can give me all this cool shit or do this to the person well, I hate. Because remember, this was in the early. In the late 1400s, early 1500s, it wasn't. People didn't live that long, I assume, for them to be enjoying things. And even if they did, what what are you going to get? A, a nice spoon? You can't get. <laughs> you're not going to get an iPad. You're not going to get a Lexus. You're not going to get a house. What are you going to get? A brand new pot? Hey, it looks like a nice goat that you have there. So that was part one. Part two treats the actual practice of sorceresses and is, is itself divided into two parts. So part two is split into two parts. The first dealing with the actions of the sorcerers themselves 
and the second with the legitimate methods of, counteract, of counteracting them. There is some evidence that the original intention for part two was to be combined for part three. But part two gives the most anecdotal information about the, contem the contemporary reality. So basically, they were saying part two is a basically intro to a part three, but part two has a lot of more information. And now I'm gonna get to part three in a little bit why they think it's a little, it's Did a little just, bullshit. Like, shake your phone and the light turned on or? Oh no, I got a text, so I had to put it in oh. airplane mode. <laughs> the lights on the back is like. My flashlight's on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Witchcraft. So part three, right? Witchcraft. This book has a, this book is, if you're interested, please pick this book up. Sometimes it's a little hard to read, but like you heard. Talking about like H.P. Lovecraft style or? Kind of, except uh, ex only because you, ha you have to get used to the way they would speak. It's it's weird. Like, you know how Lovecraft, you have to, you have to read a few of his stories in order for you to understand. His style. His style. Uh, and then yeah. you'd be able to like. Uh-huh. You know, like to get into it like right. the first time i tried reading lovecraft it, was, it must have been like high school or like 10th grade i tried to read at the mountains of madness i was like dude you need a phd to read this piece of shit <laughs> what the fuck i'm like how the, what the fuck is he talking about you know now it's one of my favorite obviously he's one of my favorite authors but the first time i tried reading i'm like dude i needed like a master's degree for this what the fuck? master's in english so i fell off after reading anything that's from shakespeare that's <laughs> why so spark notes help me out so for example in part two you know it's it's basically in chapters so there's chapters on why women engage in sorcery more than men do there's a chapter on what sorts of sorcery women engage in we're all looking at you sonia i know there's She's a witch burner <laughs> burner at the stake there's chapters so on how witches kill fetuses and newborns so there's a whole chapter on how they do it so if you're interested, you could read it. So no. this is the guy that's supposed to prevent all of this. How does he? Did he see it? Well, he's yeah. I mean, he's he, he, has, he has to be a pro. You know, he knows all these. So you gotta get on in the binoculars. Now I know why Christians hate the the abortions because they're witches. Yeah. And then, like <laughs> I read, like the story was in the beginning. He actually explained how they remove penises. Like I like in the story in the beginning. Uh -huh. We had that story about this guy who fell in love with this chick. He tried to set her aside. She's like, go fuck yourself. And then he's like, walked away. He's like, damn, my dick is gone. <laughs> he's like, so he was so he was sad and he went, you know, to go get drunk. There was a lady there. She's like, what's wrong? He's like, my dick is gone. <laughs> and then the, and then the lady was like, well, what happened? He's like, well, I don't know. She's like, was it a, do you think it was a chick? He's like, yeah, I think it's a chick. And then the lady was basically like, all right, well, if you want your dick back, you got to beat the shit out of her. So he's like, all right, I got you. So he's stalking this chick. This uh, Obviously, you guys know all of this because I played this in the intro. He stalks this chick. He finds her walking, and he's like, hey, yo, give me my dick <laughs> back, bitch. So he was like, hey, yo. I'm going to spy on you, bitch. He, <laughs> he, he, basically, he basically goes up to her. He's like, hey, yo, give me back my dick. She looks at him. And then she, so she looks at him. It's going to be an interesting conversation. So she looks. This, this, was, this was for real, according to the book. So she was like. Hey, he was like, hey, he was like, hey, let me get my dick back. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she starts walking away. He was like, don't walk away, bitch. He was like, yo, he got my dick. She holds it right in front of him. So he was like, yo, what the fuck? So he grabs her. He grabs a handkerchief, chokes her. She's dying. He's like, look, 
if you don't give me my dick, you're gonna die. <laughs> I don't want you. I don't want you to die because I want my dick. So, it's so, my dick, and I need it now. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, she was like, "All right, you know what? All right, let me go." She let me. Go. So she let. So he let her go. She grabbed his crotch, and she's like, "All right, you got what you wanted." And the second he put his her hand on his crotch, he felt his dick was back. He felt it move. Apparently. <laughs> He was like, oh, shit. And she walked away. Like, hey, She's like, you want to see another stupid. match trick? Finish <laughs> <laughs> the top, stupid. So she walked away. And that's how he got his dick. And that's, and that's like how they remove penises. And I actually have another story for you guys about <laughs> another. <laughs> Say another penis? Yeah, another, another penis story. And this one involves a priest and a young boy. Uh-huh. Obviously. One day. When I was engaged in hearing confessions, a certain young man showed up and in his confession he claimed sorrowfully that he had lost his male member. I was astonished and did not wish to believe his words lightly, since the man who believes lightly is judged to be fickle-minded by wise men. So I discovered the truth through experience receiving nothing by sight when the young man removed his clothes and showed me the place then I came up with a sensible plan and asked whether he considered any woman suspect the young man said that he did but that she was away living in worms then I said here are my instructions for you approach her as soon as possible and strive to best of your abilities to soften her promises and enticing words which is what he did a few days later he returned to thank me claiming that he had regained everything I believed his words though I was once more made certain through visual experience So basically, he if you get so southern too. <laughs> yeah. like, I was like trying to hold him my lap. Is that really how he? No, I, no. I, I asked him if he could do a Christopher Walken voice, but he was sick. So, uh, but, <laughs> but basically, right, spark nose, bro. All right, so basically, the story is this priest. Obviously, he's in the church. This sad boy comes in. The priest is like, "Yo, why are you sad? My dick is gone." <laughs> basically, yeah. Oh, and father. the kid was like, "Yeah, I don't have my my dick is gone." And the priest is like, "What do you mean?" The kid's like. What do you mean what I mean? My dick is gone. The priest is like, show me. So he showed him, and the priest looked at his, non-ha- and his non-having dick, and he's like, what happened? And the kid's like, that's why I'm here. I want to know what happened. You're supposed to tell me what <laughs> he happened. He turned into a Ken doll. <laughs> he turned into a Ken doll. So the priest is like, well, do you, do you have an idea who could have done it? And the kid's like, yeah. Then the priest is like, okay. And the, the kids, But the kid's like, but she's dead. And the priest is like, all right, well, just go home and pray to God. So the kid went away. A few days later, the kid comes back. Obviously, he's a lot happier. The priest is like, did it work? The kid's like, yeah. He's like, so, so the priest is like, so, so, you, so it worked? He's like, yeah. The kid's like, my dick's back. The, the priest is like, great, show me. The kid's like, no, I'm good. You know my how my dick's back? The priest is like, no, seriously, show me. So you need to know, bro. So he showed him, and the priest is like, okay, now I believe you. So he made the kid show him his dick, and the priest is like, okay, I believe you. Your dick's back. Those are a few of the stories that you can find in the Malice Maleficarum. So it's a dick in the box? <laughs> mm. 
And then part three, that's basically the judicial method of investigating and convicting sorceresses. And convicting sorceresses. I almost had a stroke. And it's almost entirely based on another book called Directorium Inquisitorium, which is the guidebook for inquisitors. This book dealt with the investigation of heretics in general. So that's what the confusing part is for part three. The part three is a, generaliz- is a generalization of how to be an inquisitor. But the fact that this book is so specific on who you have to judge, a lot of the information in part three is very vague. Like, like there are part, like there's sections like what questions, what questions are you supposed to ask? How are you supposed to ask them? But that's basically to find out if they're lying or not, not to tell if they're witches or not. So there's a lot of confusion, you know, with part three. But in part three, again, there's chapters in revolving around the practice of inflicting and curing forms of sorcery, methods of inflicting sorcery, methods of enticement of the innocent through the sorceresses, how they move place to place. There's chapters on how they have sex with demons. There's a lot of demon talk in this book, obviously. There's uh, how they use the sacraments in sorcery, uh, how, how obviously the, how they remove penises, turning people into into beasts, how demons can exit inside, how can they, how they can exist inside people, cures for incubus and succubus demons. There's cures for like irregular love and hatred, and there's obviously a cure for removed penises. And the cure for removed penises is really, really lame. Choke the share of a witch. Not even. All right. If so, how how what do you think the cure for removing a the cure for removed penis? What so, do you so getting your penis back? Yeah. What do you guys think would be the steps of getting your penis back? Swallow someone else's penis. Uh, no. What? <laughs> no. Actually, no. Sony, do you have an idea? What's your guess? Of gaining it back? Yeah, how to get it back. What's the cure for it? Your dick's gone. You're like, fuck, what do I need to do? What do you think? Yeah, baby. It's a gone. thing you have to do. <laughs> um, I would think that you would have to, like, satisfy the woman that took it away. So she can, like, give it back. Right? I mean... No? no. Don't tell me they had to like no. blow someone. No. <laughs> no. Apparently, apparently, Achi's wishing. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, just like from the story, dude. Uh, fucking turn into Batman. Be like, where is it? Give me my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how he got his dick back, right? You have to. Drum roll, please. <laughs> you have to reach a friendly settlement with the sorcerer. So basically, you have to be like, please. That's, that's how you get your dick back. Man, can I get my dick back? <laughs> there's no herbs. There's no prayers. There's, <laughs> there's no, no choking involved. Even even though the priest said the kid went away and prayed, if you, if your dick's gone, it's basically, can I have it back, please? So please, your brown knows it, please. And then even then, when they talk about <laughs> when they talk about removing the penises, they're not talking about literally and figuratively ripping your dick off. It's not that. It's just some sort of Oof. mind trick that they play on you where you don't see your dick. Your dick's there. But you don't see it. You don't see it, and you don't feel it. A non-functioning dick. Uh, it functions, except according. It, it's there, it, but it, it's not there for you. Yeah, it's not there for you. So oh, you're like, okay. my dick's gone. But it's like, no. That's why you have to go and ask them. Pretty please. Invisible cloak, then. Yahweh. Yeah, they just put a little invisible cloak on your dick. You're just like, Yahweh. <laughs> you know, and then in that last in that last chapter, you could find 
more cures for turning for people turning into bees, cures for demonic possessions, and then toward the end of the book, then you find the actual judicial process, you know, how to begin proceedings, the number of witnesses needed, because you need a specific amount of witnesses, how to examine the witnesses, who is allowed to give testimony, and for the investigation part of it, you know, uh, there's a chapter on how to find the list of questions needed, the general and specific ones, the detention and arrest of suspects, how to conceal the names of the witnesses from the accused, and so on and so forth. This book is really good. It's kind of hard to read sometimes, but it's really entertaining. Good luck to you if you want to read it from cover to cover. So is that? I just came through it. Yeah. I just came. I I go through. I look at the index. I'm like, all right, how to remove penises? I'm in there. 293. (laughs) I read the five pages. I don't understand four and a half of them. I just understand like, all right, this dick, this dude's dick's gone. He went. He asked nicely. Okay, that's funny. But that. But. But like in reality, that book is really fun read. And again, that book is called The Hammer of Witches, a complete translation of the Malus Maleficarum. And the book that I'm referencing in today's episode is by Christopher S. McKay. I'm going to put the Barnes & Noble link and the eBay link for the book on our show notes. The book's not expensive. The paperback, it's only $25. But it's a thick, you guys have seen it, it's a thick Harry Potter 5 hundred and something pages it's girthy it's, it's girthy but it's a fun like i spent a week and a half you know trying to get some of this you know trying to dumb down the information not for you guys but for myself so i could understand <laughs> it and reading you know and reading the book you know it's fucking interesting as shit because you know it, it's like it literally talks about this chapter is like all right demons have sex with people and not only is it demons it's like low level demon so if you so if you know some so if, if you hear a story about a demon having sex with a person it's because that demon ain't shit that demon's like a low level demon there's like little interesting tidbits up about shit like that in the book which is really cool demon especially positive. if you're especially if you're into all this witch malice maleficum stuff and, and obviously while i was doing this research research i was listening to cradle of filth's hammer of the witch album i love that album but do you guys have anything else to add to this episode? Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we are in the month of October. This episode is going to go up mid-October. We have one more episode for the month of October, and we promise we're going to try to make it. In, we're going to try to keep the theme of the spookiness going. So stay tuned, and you guys can find out more throughout the week or throughout the weeks about what we're going to talk about. And we're going to release this episode early. We usually release the episodes on the 1st and the 15th of the month. But we're going to release the episode after this one on Halloween. So you guys can have something to listen to. And we promise it's going to be a really good episode. Ooh. So if no one else has anything to add, I want to thank Sonia for joining us on this episode. Everyone Yay! clap for Sonia. Thank you for having me. I, 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 <laughs> there you go again. Yay! He's broken. It was really like <laughs> I, I had no idea that there was actually a, a witch religion still existing to this day. Yes. I didn't know there was it was tied with Santeria, which makes it even better. Santeria. When I think of Santeria, I think of chicken blood, obviously. I, I think of Sublime. I think well, of Voodoo. If no one has anything else to add, we're gonna Tony? Oh, she rose her hand. I she rose her hand. I'm being polite. Um there's a story in my family <coughs> actually of a belief of seeing a witch flying on a broomstick. Uh now you know what what she knew. Elaborate. So this was in Watts. My 
um, where my cousins she had witch from the hoods, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hood witches. So rabbis. <laughs> <laughs> she the room singer. She has a wand. Carry so, on, carry on. um, the story goes that one of their older neighbors used to do a lot of like weird, creepy shit, and they never liked my cousin's dog. So one, and mainly because he was the biggest sweetheart I remember. His name was Jack pitbull sweetest dog in the world hated the neighbor though whenever she would come out he would like get scared and bark at her but like they get back so um actually sorry his name wasn't jack it was something else anyways so my cousin raul said that one night he woke up because the dog just wouldn't shut up just wouldn't shut up whatsoever so he goes out because he hears his dog suddenly like like stop and he says that he claims that he saw the neighbor with some weird goo or something on a stick shoved it to the dog and flew off and no one believed him he was crying and crying like oh like they did this to my dog they did this to my dog and no one would believe him so once morning came around they went outside and sure enough they they found the dog dead <gasps> um with something shoved into his mouth Yo. So, yeah, pretty crazy stuff. To this day, he will swear to God that my neighbor bitch was a witch. <laughs> <laughs> bitch is a witch. And we, bitch is a witch. And that's not the only witch story that we have of witches on broomsticks. Like I mentioned earlier, the one Lewis helped us out with the sample about the priest. His dad claims to have seen a witch fly over his house here in Linwood, California, now, like a few years ago. Another hood witch. It's probably <laughs> the same hood witch. But he says, I don't know if he was out or he they were getting home from someplace, but it was late at night. And when he lives, the streets are kind of enveloped by all those trees, so it's kind of hard to look up into, like, the sky. Uh-huh. But where he was at was, in like, in the corner of his house. Obviously, there's no trees there. So the skylight, it's completely visible. And he says he looked up. And he just literally just saw a witch on a broomstick, literally just nonchalantly flying overhead and disappear into the tree line. He's like, literally, he was just like, he looked up and it was just a witch. And he was just like, what the fuck? Well, I'm going to go back seeing? inside. <laughs> the witch was like, I put a spell on you, bitch. <laughs> put a spell on you too, bitch. So if no one has anything else to add, we'd like to thank you guys for joining us. We are doing good as numbers. We'd like to thank every one of you. We've actually finally started getting more replies for our shirts, so we're going to send those out. And one of the things I wanted to do for this episode, I wanted to give a shout-out to one of my buddies. His name is uh, Victor. He listens to this. He listens to our podcast. And recently, he he got real ill to the point where he was in a coma. He was in a coma a few weeks ago. And he was incubated, and they didn't know if he was going to make it out. He had a lot of CO2. He had a lot of liquid in his lungs. He couldn't breathe on his own. He had to be incubated because he couldn't breathe on his own. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then he started getting better. He got he's finally he got out of the ICU a few days late, uh, a few days later. And then earlier in the week, he texted me saying that he is finally going home. So, hey, Victor, hey, congratulations hey, for getting better, dude. bro. We. We were all scared shitless, but again, we're, just this, this, we're dedicating this episode to you and for your well-being. 
And um, if no one has anything else to add, this is like the sixth time I'm saying this, we'd like to thank every one of you guys. And again, we are the Weird History Eretails Podcast. And join us next episode so we can keep the spookiness going. Ooh, oh.